Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the, um, the beauty of beholding your face and how you show us yourself in your scriptures. Lord, I pray this morning that, that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wondrous things from your law. God, I pray that you would help me. Help me, Lord, to bring attention and glory to you. Help me, Lord, to not distract from your word, but speak through me by your spirit. God, I thank you for this congregation and their great love for you. I pray today we would come to you and be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, last week when uh, Bill approached me about preaching today, I think I must have felt a little like um, the guy on the bench for the Bulls in the 80s or 90s, I guess, when uh, they came and uh, Coach Phil Jackson said, I'd like to go in for Michael Jordan. You know, kind of bittersweet. It's an honor, but Bill does a great job, and uh, the Lord really uses him. So I thought, I thought I'd throw the staff here a little bone and start with a baseball story. I'm not a baseball guy, but... Um, but when we lived in Chicago Northwestern, we got to know uh, Joe Girardi just a little bit. He went to our church, and um, he was catcher then for the Cubs, and uh, now he's manager, he's a big dude, but uh, for the Yankees. But uh, yeah, we got to know him a little bit, and he came and spoke for us at Northwestern, did a great job, and it was one of those kind of like, okay, I know Joe Girardi kind of things, you know? We all know somebody or met somebody that's famous. and. Uh, and uh, it was uh, the fall, maybe Thanksgiving, and we got this amazing invitation in the mail. Opened it up, and it was from Joe and his wife uh, to a Christmas party. And uh, we kept it, because <laughs> it was so amazing. It was, the, it was the nicest piece of paper I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and it was so embossed, and it was so thick, and it was just so rich. It was awesome. and. Uh, it was a great invitation. Now, unfortunately, of course, we had a Campus Crusade for Christ conference right during the party, so we didn't get to go. But I tell you, in terms of invitations, that's the most impressive one I've ever gotten, except the one we're going to read today. Let's open our Bibles, if you have them, to Matthew 28, uh, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, this is an amazing, amazing invitation, and I think I see... Lots of stuff here, but I see three things especially. First, an invitation, and then I think we'll see a command and a promise. Uh, so let's start with the invitation. The invitation is, come to me. Come to me. Uh, all who are weary and heavy laden, as the, I think the NIV says it, those that are heavy laden or labor. I like to put those two words together. Those who are labor, are weary of laboring labor-weary and heavy-laden. 
those are the ones he calls to come. And I, I think I wish we could be there the day Jesus said this to a Jewish audience and said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Because uh, the invitation must have been amazing. The context of this passage is some, some difficult things he challenges people with. People are doubting him, struggling. John the Baptist even is struggling to understand exactly who Jesus is. And in the midst of that, he says, come to me. And the more I've meditated on this passage and thought about this, I just think uh, Jesus say, doesn't say, uh, come to church. Come and believe in Christianity. Um, be more religious. Uh, he doesn't sound like a rabbi at all. He says, come to me. Uh, this clear message of divinity. In fact, this passage is, is controversial because it's so clearly a passage of the divinity of Christ that scholars don't like that. Um, and he says amazing things throughout the book, but let's just look at a few others. Look up at uh, verse 27 in the same passage. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son reveals, chooses to reveal him. Flip back in, uh, in chapter 10. If I lower this thing, will that get better? I'll try that. Chapter 10, verse 37. Whoever loves... Uh, father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves the son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Who says, who says these things? God does. Look at uh, John, uh, John three thirty seven. John chapter 3, verse 37. Which there isn't. <laughs> so, uh, so somewhere else it says something really amazing <laughs> about coming to me. I heard a little whisper up here from Larry. <laughs> not there. <laughs> again and again, Jesus says, in various places, which we'll find later, uh, come to me, come to me, believe in me. Okay, the prophets spoke of God, and they spoke for God, but only Jesus said, come to me. This is the invitation. And who does he invite? That's, that's the next question. Who does he invite? This invitation is for the weary and the heavy laden. Those um, that have borne a yoke that's not the Lord's, those that struggles, i.e. everyone, right? We're all in that same boat. We're all weary. We're all heavy laden. Uh, we're weary of the load, of exhaustion, tired of carrying heavy loads. This is obviously a metaphor for the effort of self-justification in the light of God. Uh, we, we did a lot of um, mountain climbing this summer on project, my wife and I, and Colorado, we just got back. The humidity here is kind of killing us. Um, 
one of the mountains we climbed, we got to the top, and it was about 55 degrees, but the, but the wind was 40, 40 miles an hour. And you know, at that height, you're just holding on to rocks, bracing yourself. And th this is the image I got when I went to bed last night. Um, we're weary of trying to brace ourselves against the 40 mile an hour wind of the justice of God. We're trying to live under the pressure of the law, of the strain and the weariness of trying to make it all be okay with God on our own. That's the kind of weariness we have. I think there's lots of ways that's born out in our lives, but the root of it is we're all weary and burdened because of the weight of our sin, of the weight of our self-justification before God, of trying to make things right with God. Um, <clears throat> he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I think I might have said something like this. Come to me from the most gifted to the, uh, the most uh, needy in life. Uh, I have a lot to offer you. I'm not saying that you don't have a lot going for you already. And I know you have some strategies to deal with your life to make it healthy and happy. But I think I could really help. He doesn't say any of that, does he? Come to me, all you, you who are weary and heavy laden. That's the qualification. Uh, look back up in verse um, 25. Look back in Matthew 11, verse 25. It says this, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, such was your gracious will. Those that are weary and heavy laden that come to him as children, that's who he invites to come to him. Uh, what's true of children? They have needs. And they usually know they have needs. That's how we come to Jesus. Now, what's really awkward is when a child doesn't think he has needs. Right? When a little kid says he wants to tie his shoe, and you know he doesn't know how to tie his shoe, but he sits there and says, no, I want to do it. And he tries and tries and gets frustrated and mad and then finally relents and lets you help him tie his shoe. Uh, we can do that, can't we? Deny our need, not come to him as children at all. And um, that's not how he calls us. He calls us to come as little children. Look also at math, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 16. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, uh, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is how he calls us to come to him, as needy, as weary, as burdened, and life can be like that, can it? Life is difficult. Life doesn't work. Because of Genesis 3, life is difficult. Because we all live out of our sinfulness, even the context of being believers in Christ and, and the world around us has fallen. Life is wearisome, you know? I mean, my wife, who actually is not in this service yet, so this will be more interesting next hour, uh, she has a lot of wisdom. And you know what? A relational insight like you would not believe. 
but sometimes, you know, I, I, I get tired of all that insight. And I, and men, men don't nod. Uh, you know, I get weary, and I just wish this was so much easier. Uh, but it's not easy because of me and maybe her, uh, maybe. But, but, but uh, it's tiring, right, to make relationships work, to make life work. It's wearisome. It's difficult. Uh, turn to Isaiah 55.1, really a parallel passage to this in terms of the word God has for us. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Come everyone who thirsts, i.e., again, you're all thirsty and you're all broke, right? You can't afford what you need. Uh, this is our situation. We come needy. We come weary. We know the realities of deep down of our need to come to him. But I wonder why don't we come? If we know our need, why don't we come? Pride, self-sufficiency. Uh, we can deny our need for him. Maybe I think sometimes I would rather find my own solutions, however limited they are, than to depend on anyone else, including God, for any solutions in my life. Maybe I know that some of the solutions I'll pick wouldn't be pleasing to him, so I'd rather not have his say. Maybe I lack the faith that he could really do anything about my problems anyway, so why would I come? All kinds of reasons, I think, we maybe don't come. Whatever the reasons, the invitation's amazing, right? Jesus says, come to me. It's that simple. Come to me. The next is the command. Um, the command. We are supposed to um, depend on God and his yoke. He says to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I think those are two sides of the same coin. To take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Uh, now, the role of the yoke is obvious. We probably have all heard about yokes and oxen. We'll talk about that a little bit later, maybe. But, um, but really, the, the point of the role of the yoke is to both learn and to depend on God. It's a metaphor for us to learn and depend on God. The yoke says, uh, Jesus is saying through the yoke, not only do I have things to teach you, but I want you to depend on me. I want to guide you. I have, I have things to show you. And... Uh, that's um, what he's calling us to. We're, um, we're to go to school with God in the yoke of Jesus, and he's the professor. When we were um, in Chicago, we got a new puppy who's now grown up, Muffin, our Cocker Spaniel. And uh, when Muffin was little, going on walks with Muffin was interesting uh, because we had a leash, which was really uh, fairly um, not apparent to Muffin that she was on a leash. In fact, when we go on a walk, this is the way we'd go on a walk. I'd hold the leash, and she would be like this. The whole time, on her back legs, going every direction but the direction I was trying to go, 
and just straining constantly against this leash. You know, she just didn't understand. This, this, this is not a bad thing. This leash is supposed to protect you from getting run over by a dog. Uh, run over by a dog, that's a good one. <laughs> run over by a car. Uh, it's supposed to provide for you and to protect you. And yet the dog didn't understand that at all. And obviously we can do the same thing. Uh, are we submitting to the yoke of Jesus? Are we uh, letting him lead us? Are we resisting his direction in our life? Do we not trust that this yoke is a good thing? That this is his direction for us? Uh, when I was a younger man, I used to hear preachers talk about this passage a lot. And they'd all tell stories about yoking the oxen and, and leading the team. And I used to just think, this doesn't sound good at all. And why does God... Uh, want to yoke me up to his cart? What's, am I supposed to plow the South 40 for God? And why does he want me to do that? I don't understand this at all. And, and um, it just seemed like um, the illustration didn't work for me until I thought about how the fact that it's not that we're yoked for Jesus. Uh, we're yoked to Jesus, right? We're yoked to uh, learn of him, but not pull a load for him. And that's the difference. We're yoked to him and not for him. Uh, look at verse 27 back in our passage, Matthew 11, verse 27. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one owes the Son except the Father, and no one owes the Father except the Son, and to anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Earlier we looked at verse 25 where he says, uh, I'm uh, so glad, Father, you've chosen to reveal this to little children. And that passage, and the one I just read, the one the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus is the great revealer, right? This is what he does. He reveals. And what does he reveal to us? He reveals himself. Uh, and that's what the nature of the yoke is, okay? There's a role of the yoke, but there's also the nature of it. And he says, come to me to bear my yoke and learn from me. Learn of me. And when we are yoked to him, he reveals himself to us. Okay, we don't just kind of watch his behavior and think, I want to do like Jesus did. No, when we're yoked to Jesus, he shows us amazing things about himself. What he's like. And that's really, really what we need. Uh, the passage goes on to describe the character of this yoke. It says it's lowly. It says um, it's gentle. I don't know about you, but I was amazed to see these adjectives describe the yoke of Jesus. I mean, this is the God of the universe that we read about in Colossians chapter 1 there. Maker of heaven and earth. Did all this stuff. And he says to us, my yoke for you is gentle. It's meek. It's not harsh or hasty. I wonder if you believe that. If you really believe that God's yoke is gentle. Or if in the back of your mind you doubt that God will be gentle with you. That you think he might be harsh. It says also that his yoke is humble or lowly. God's yoke 
for us, comes underneath us to serve us. Uh, again, is it not amazing that the God of the universe says that he's humble, that he's lowly, that he comes to serve us? The, use, the word elsewhere is used as um, unpretentious or of low position. I hear I believe it means he's not cocky or arrogant. He doesn't, he doesn't get all up in our face as he leads us. He seeks to lead us and teach us, but to not domineer us or rule over us. He wants to lead us. And you know, you, come, you become like those that you're yoked to. And I wonder, am I and are you becoming more gentle, more humble? Do we have the same kind of servant attitude that Jesus has towards us? Why not? If we don't. I also wonder what other yokes I wear. Again, I think this primarily means the yoke of self-justification in the face of God. But I think there are lots of applications. And I know for me, there are many yokes that I wear that give me a burden, that make me tired. Um, and he says to wear my yoke. I'm often exhausted because I wear other yokes, people's expectations, different things. So this summer we, um, we hiked a lot with college students in Colorado. It's a friend of mine's backpack. Um, my daughter said last night, we don't use props at Grace. Um, yeah, I know. That's all right. Uh, so a few times this summer, I had about 40 pounds in this pack, hiking several miles up to a base camp. Really, really hard and really a burden. And uh, I tell you, this pack for me illustrates um, the yokes I wear that aren't from God. Uh, people's expectations of me, um, my own sense of self-righteousness, maybe some of the burdens, uh, the fruit of sin in my life that I've borne, a lack of faith that God really loves me. I wonder what, for you, is the yoke that weighs you down? Uh, that is not the yoke of Christ, that's not the yoke of His grace, it's not gentle or humble, it's hard. And it's heavy. Um, I think we get in trouble when we let others load our pack, right? The night before our big hikes, we'd all meet and pack our hikes together. I mean, load our, our packs together. And uh, really, really paid a lot of attention to what I put in my pack and how much it weighed, where it was put, and all that kind of stuff. But we really do get in trouble when we let other people load our pack. Look to, look, uh, to Matthew. Verse, chapter 23, verses 1 through 5 here. And Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so practice and observe what they tell you, but not what they do. Interesting. So listen to God's word, but try to ignore their life. Um, for they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. 
They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Uh, so they, they boast and they're hypocrites, right? Uh, and this hypocrisy ties a heavy load on others. So it's easy to let others' hypocrisy, their judgment of you, their expectations of you, load up your pack, isn't it? And it's interesting because I think this passage illustrates that God is saying that they didn't necessarily put that load on your shoulders. You let them put that on your shoulders, right? Don't let them do that. Don't let their hypocrisy burden you down. This is not the yoke I have for you. Um, so I think when we're weary and we're tired, and it's not a good weary, it's a soul weary, we have to ask, what yokes have I been bearing that aren't from God, that aren't gentle? Matthew Henry says that his yoke is lined with love. I like that. His yoke reflects his heart. Now, after we had um, set up camp the next day, this was the pack that we did our day hike in. I love this pack. <laughs> Um, he says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light and I will give you rest and that's the third thing so we've seen that God has given us an invitation he's given us a command and now he gives us a promise I will give you rest something the Jews would have been really familiar with they've heard a lot of this theme of rest turn to Deuteronomy 12 verse 9 9 and 10 says this, For you have not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God has given you. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that your Lord your God has given you to inherit, and when he gives you rest from all your enemies around, so that you live in safety, um, the place the Lord your God will choose. This idea of rest was the promised land, right? A picture of what it meant to walk into salvation, a place where there was no war. The people were at rest, is a phrase that was used a lot. The land was at rest. Uh, the uh, hostilities had ceased. And that's the picture of um, this, this, um, this idea of rest. Turn also to Jeremiah 6.16. And this is actually the quote. This is the source of Jesus' quote in Matthew 11. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. This idea of rest was the promised land. It was what God had promised. It was a place of heaven. It was a place of deliverance. This is what God is offering to us. It's obviously salvation. It come, comes a lot more clear in the New Testament. Turn to Hebrews 4, verse 9. 
Um, 9 through 11. Hebrews 4. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works just as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter his rest so that no one may fall for the same sort of disobedience. Obviously this rest he's offering to us is salvation. It's freedom from the burden of sin, of justifying ourselves before God, for others. You know what it's like to be a person that always has to be right in front of someone. Uh, those people usually aren't very popular. But it's hard to always be right, especially when you live with two women. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say those things. Uh, no, just living in a family, right? It's hard. You've got to admit when you're wrong. And so a lifestyle of always having to be right is very, very burdensome. Now do that in front of God, who knows everything. He's all-powerful. That's a burden. And for that, God gives us rest. Obviously, the blood of Christ is the end of hostilities, right? We are in a peace relationship with God because of Christ. I imagine Chris Thorpe sleeps easier here than he did in Iraq. And the same is true with us, right? The war with God and our flesh and the judgment we receive because of our sin is over. And he calls us to rest. Now that, that, um, that rest is begun once as we walk into a relationship with God, but it's lived out every day, right? That rest is a daily realization that the gospel is true again today, that he has given me rest. You may remember the, uh, John Bunyan's book on Pilgrim's Progress, where the pilgrim has a journey, and it starts off very, very difficult as he bears this burden. And uh, the burden of sin on his back is this huge pack and it says, I won't quote because it's a lot of old English, um, but um, it, it talks about how when he approached the cross and walked up the hill to the foot of the cross, he found that his pack was steadily loosening. And when he got to the top, it fell off. And it rolled down the hill into the mouth of an empty tomb, uh, dead and buried forever. And he goes on and on and on about the joy of that burden off his back. And I wonder if you... Uh, if your life is similar to mine, I've walked with God for a while, I wonder if we've forgotten the joy of what it means to take off the pack, of what it means to enter into that rest, of what it means to feel fresh grace and his forgiveness to enter into that rest. We can be exhausted by that. You know, I've asked, uh, when I asked Tyler to come up, this song, Jesus I Come, has been going through my head for the last few days over and over and over again. It, and it's pretty cool that they picked it today when I didn't even say anything to him about it. Um, but I want to ask, I'm going to ask Tyler to, to uh, sing a couple verses. And uh, I just want you to uh, close your eyes and listen to the words. And uh, we've talked a lot about this invitation to come. And um, I felt like it was appropriate. Let's have a few minutes of reflection. You know, Jesus is inviting you and me to come. Uh, we need to see our need as a child. Uh, we need to take upon his yoke, and we need to learn from him. And to do that, we have to be humble and gentle, just as he does. 
And then he promises us we'll find rest. So let's just take a few minutes, talk to God about what we've heard, and I'll close in prayer. Father, I, I thank you for your invitation to come and that it's true today, just as it was 2,000 years ago. God, I pray that our lives would be characterized by a dependence on you, um, a recognition of our need, and a peaceful rest in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, Mark. Let me ask you please to stand for the benediction. Uh, the response to our benediction this morning is, I trust in Jesus, amen. That's the culmination of our coming to him and resting in him. Of course, is trusting in him. Please receive this as God's benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before his glorious presence, and that with great joy. To only wise God and Savior Jesus Christ, who be glory, dominion, majesty, and power, both now and forevermore. And all God's people said, I trust in Jesus. Amen. <laughs>